has for you to stand on, there will always be a giant to resist you. The enemy does not want you to stand in the fulfilled promises that God has for you. For every mountain, there is a giant. But for every giant, there is a promise from God that you can be victorious. You stand on those promises and you hold to them and you fight for them and you slay those giants in front of you. Then you can stand on those mountains that God has for you. Amen? We're standing on a promise here at Vertical. We're standing on a lot of promises, actually. But one of them is, is that if we will seek the Lord, repent of our ways, and make him our priority, even as a church, that he will restore the paths to dwell in here on this property to redeem what has happened here in the past and to restore the path in this community and the cities around us so that truth is seen as the path to walk in. So the church is the light of the world not the blight of the world. Amen? And we're believing God is restoring those promises right here. We began a, a building fund, if you will, several weeks back in preparation for the bigger things that God is doing here. And we began that with phase one goal. Completely refurbing our lobby area out here. Knocking out some of the walls, opening it up, making room for a, a mommy room, a family room, and plenty of lobby space out front. And the goal on that was $125,675 to be specific. We began the giving last week. I want to show you what God provided through our people here at Vertical in one week. Here you go. $64,064. Amen. So we are standing on that, celebrating just the beginning, so we would ask you to continue to pray, just like all of us are doing. God, what would you have us do in this project in helping restore the path to dwell in here for this church, on this property, and in the cities around us? Because the, the world needs the message of the church. The world needs the gospel, and you and I have been called to be that place and those people who share that. Amen? Amen. So in our series, we've been following the children of Israel. We've been following as they have come up next to the promised land, and they have seen this mountain in the future that God has for them, but they encountered giants along the way, and that will always be the case. God has mountains for each of us, though. It doesn't matter how long you've been saved or how short you've been saved. God has things he is still wanting to do in your life, places of blessing, promises that you have yet to see experience in your life. He still has those for you, for greater faith, deeper trust, greater intimacy with him, future hope and plans. This is how Jesus even related to the disciples. He always had out in front of them the next thing that he had for them so that we might live by hope, by a hope, by a promise in front of us. Because when you don't have that, life just is rough. When you don't have a tomorrow to look forward to, when you don't have a hope out in front of you, when you don't have a sense that God has something greater for you next, then life just becomes miserable. Life becomes mundane. And the scripture comes true. Without a vision, the people perish. But Jesus did that with the disciples. He said things to them like, whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. That was a hope and a promise that they would live life and they wouldn't just be sucking life from everybody else. They would be giving life to everybody else. He gave them promises like, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire and it shall be done for you. 
It was a promise from Jesus to the disciples and to us. Jesus said things like, if you have faith as a mustard seed, you will say to this mountain, move from here, and it will move, and nothing will be impossible for you. These are not just pie-in-the-sky, fairy-tale, idealistic dreams. These are statements of promise and faith from Jesus to the disciples and to us. We are meant to live this way. We're not meant to live with religion as a tack onto our life that is mundane at best, but filled with hope and promise. And so you and I, are called to have that same kind of faith where we can say to the mountains in front of us and say to the God who gave us the promise, God, give me that mountain. Give me what you have promised, God, healing for my heart, healing for the dis-ease within me, power over temptation, restoration in my, mar in my marriage, reconciliation in my family. Open the eyes of my son, daughter, mother, father, aunt, uncle, neighbor, whoever, and God hears and moves in response to that. That's the kind of life you and I are called to, but I'm telling you, the enemy does not want you to have that kind of life. And for every one of those promises you claim, every one of those mountains you believe is for you, the enemy will send a giant your way. And that giant, his role and his task will be to intimidate you, assault you, threaten you, so that you will live the mundane, weak, and powerless faith life. So today... We're going to get in some spiritual warfare. We're going to go toe-to-toe -to -toe with some giants. I hope you're ready. Our message today is called Name Your Giant. Turn your Bibles to Numbers 13. We're following the children of Israel. We have followed them on this journey for a while. We have followed what God has promised them. They have, spent, they have sent spies into the land. And in the land, sure enough, just as they promised, it was full of milk and honey. It was, a, it was a prosperous land. It was a beautiful land. It was everything that God had said that it was. This was the land of fulfilled promise. This is what God had called them to and where he would plant them and where they would see everything he said would be true. And as they went in, they sent spies in, 12. And they spent 40 days in this land inspecting what God had said, seeing what they would need to do to go in. And they saw the promises and they saw some problems. Verse 28 of chapter 13 says this, that they came back and said, nevertheless, the people who dwell in the land are strong. The cities are fortified and very large. Moreover, we saw the descendants of Anak there. I know you've heard me say Anak a couple of times. That's a much more maybe Hebrew version of that, but I know here in Texas we're much more familiar with Anak. That's how we'd say it, right? So I'm just going to say Anak today so we all feel comfortable, right? So... Um, Anak. He saw the descendants of Anak there. It's very interesting, this uh, giant race. Um, a race of people that were giants, that were taller than others, that were larger than others. You do a little study of the scripture, you get some very interesting things. You go back into Genesis chapter 6. There's a passage there. I don't want to go down this rabbit trail for too long. In Genesis 6, it talks about how the sons of God, which is not a reference to 
um, angels, but actually to demons. There's some other references that help us know that's exactly what it was. They came and they intermarried with the daughters of man. So you think, what in the world? Demonic forces mating with women? How in the world can that happen? Let me just tell you, there's no other reference in Scripture where that kind of thing happens. Okay, The only spiritual being that can give life is God himself. There's no reference ever to demonic forces being able to procreate. Okay, So the only way that could happen is if there were demonic forces who filled a man to the point that he would be demonically controlled to have a relationship with a woman. Are you with me? So what you find in Genesis 6 is this wicked, wicked time in which men had become so vile, so open to wickedness that they were just filled with demonic forces and they begin to have relationships with women and what comes as a result of this is a race of giants and they are evil. They are wicked. They are monstrous in size and they are set on the destruction of God's people. It's the Nephilim it talks about in Genesis chapter six. Part of the reason I think that Satan did that is because God had given a promise to Adam and Eve and said, there's coming one who will come from the seed of woman who will bruise the head of the serpent. That's also in Genesis. And so they knew that, and so they sought to try to destroy the bloodline and keep a savior from being born. Are you with me? And so what happens is God ends up destroying all men and women in the flood and starts over again through Noah and his family because the seed had just become wicked on the earth. And so God begins again with Noah in his day. And so what you find as we move into Numbers 13 is there is another group of these giants. It's like, well, where did they come from? Because I thought they were all destroyed in the flood. They were. But the times had gotten wicked again. And there had to have been, again, this demonic possession of men with women who create another giant race that are very large, very cruel, opposed to the ways of God, opposed to the people of God. And these are the descendants of Anak that are here in the Bible. There's not a whole lot said about them. There's actually a reference where you find out who Anak's father was. But more importantly, we're going to see who these descendants were in just a moment. But I want to make a few points before we get to that. Here they are. There will always be giants on the way to your mountain. That's important to know. God has places that he's called you to. Places that he wants you to arrive at in your life. Mountains, promised land, a land of fulfilled promises that's made for you and me. He wants that for you. But the enemy is insistent on stopping you. And for every mountain, there will be a giant. There will always be giants in the path. I would also say this. The giants will always be bigger than you and your current faith. Now let's unpack this just a little bit. Let's draw, let's draw me and you down here. 
Hope you brought some paper or something to draw on. I know that's not an exact representation of me and you, but it's us. And between you and all that God has promised you, you're now his child, you belong to him, you've been redeemed, you've been accepted, but there are so many more blessings. There is healing for dis-ease within you, healing for emotional hurts, healing from past wounds, peace that you've yet to experience, hope that you've yet to arrive at, joy that you've yet to see, reconciliation you have yet to see, restoration you've yet to see, all of that awaits out there. Provision you have yet to see, a path that you have yet to see, a place that you arrive at, you stand in, that you think, I know this is what God has planned for my life. This is my career. This is my purpose. This is my ministry. All of that waits out there. But between you and there, there will always be giants. There will be those who seek to stand in the way of all that you believe God has called you to. We'll just put some angry eyes on this guy and a sour face, right? And there's usually not just one. There's usually a few. There's usually several giants that stand in the way to all that God has for you and me. Because the enemy is persistent. The enemy will not relent in keeping you from all that the Father has promised you. That's important to remember as we walk by faith. There will always be giants and they will always be bigger than you. That's why they're called giants. And they'll always be bigger than your current faith. It doesn't matter that you might have slain five along the way. The enemy's not going to send you a lesser model out the next one. If he's seen the five that you've taken down, he's going to be looking for a bigger one to send you the next time. And God will always give you the strength to take down the next giant. And so you have to know that going in. That next giant you face is going to be big. It'll be bigger than you. It'll be bigger than where you are right now. It'll be bigger than what you've believed up to this point. And it will challenge you to trust God in some ways that you never have before. Another point before we move back into the passage here is this. To see God's promises come to pass, you must slay these giants. This is kind of like the uh, old nursery rhyme. Can't go over them. Can't go under them. You're going to have to go through them. They're going to have to be slain. If you want to get to here, these have to be removed. They can't be left. You can't leave one of them. You can't leave two of them. You can't try to outsmart them and go around them. It doesn't work that way. You have to slay the giants. These 12 spies went in and saw the giants. Two said, let's go. 10 said, oh no. Now here was the report they came back with. And they went up through the south and came to Hebron. Ahiman, Sheshai, and Talmai, the descendants of Anak, were there. Now that's interesting that the scripture records 
the names of three specific giants. There were a lot of giants. There were a lot of territories. There were a lot of strongholds. But these three, they knew. Not because they're wearing name badges. Not because they went up and said, hey, what's your name? Because they knew these giants. Word had gotten round. They knew them by sight. They knew them by name. They knew them by their strategy. They knew them where they lived. They knew what they were capable of. They knew that they were massive. And this is why they come back and say, we were grasshoppers in their sight. Because they were big. But they knew them by name. Which brings us to a very important point today. You can't slay a giant that you won't call out by name. Sometimes we like to just talk about, yeah, I've just got some uh, struggles, you know, some issues, there's some things going on, and we use general terms. Or we say that, yeah, Satan's trying to stop me. And we use generic, broad-based terms. But you can't fight an enemy with just generalities. You defeat an enemy with specifics, with by knowing who it is, where they are, what they are capable of, what they are intent on doing, where they've come from, where they are going. Because if you don't know those things, you cannot slay them. And the enemy is doing all he can in our day to confuse the believer, diffuse the believer, and distract the believer from knowing the specific giants that we all face. And it requires some very specific conversations that we must have with ourselves, with those we love. To be ready to to say... I am facing the giant of fear, anxiety, depression, whatever. Here's what I am facing. If you can't name it, you'll never be able to slay it. If you can't say it, you can't slay it. If you can't discuss it in a group and ask other believers to pray with you about it, You can't slay it. If you don't know what it is, then you don't know the truth to combat it with. If you can't name it, you can't slay it. And these knew the three giants that dwelt in that land. Though there were plenty of other reasons that they were afraid, they knew the exact names of these three giants. So today... I want us to talk for just a moment about some specific giants that are at work, I believe, in the region in which we live. I'm going to talk about specifics for Ovilla, Red Oak, Midlothian, Cedar Hill, Waxahachie, because we are not here to just play a church game today. We are here, and part of our purpose is to be involved in war. We are called to be those who take up the armor of God. 
We are called to be the church that stands in the promise that the gates of hell will not prevail against us. That means we're going to battle and they won't be able to prevail against us. There are people in our cities all around us that I've just mentioned who are being held captive right now. They're being tormented. They're being assaulted. And you and I might face some of the same giants that I'm about to mention. I'm gonna mention three of them. We're gonna talk about them. The enemy is never happy when we are talking about his playbook. The enemy is never happy when we begin to uncover and take the mask off of what's really happening. But if we don't do this, we're just playing church games. So I talk about these today based on having lived in this area, having walked where I've walked, been a part of church since I was 17, been involved in ministry in this area. These three things that we're about to talk about are what I see as the greatest giants in this region. The first of these is the giant of shame. And I'm gonna say, I'm gonna label it down even closer to church shame. Shame works like this. You know you have failed, but shame makes you keep wearing the failure. You can't ever take it off. It's just who you are. You can't ever be free from it. And shame makes you keep replaying the tapes of your past. Every failure, every weakness, every time you didn't measure up, you keep that as a running catalog and dialogue in your mind. That is the giant of shame. And man, he is at work in this region. It shows up even in churches, I believe. It shows up under the message of your heart is deceitfully wicked. Who can know it? I know that scripture, but that is scripture for the person who's lost. When you are saved, you are given the spirit of God and you no longer have to say, my heart is deceitfully wicked. My heart has been redeemed by the blood of Jesus Christ. I have a new spirit within me, a new identity. Amen? That doesn't mean I don't have some old patterns that I am still dying to, but that is not me. That is what I do or have done. That is not my identity. Are you with me? Shame makes you wear that. Shame makes you say, you're always wicked. You're always horrible. You're always sinful. Your motives are always wrong. You never do anything right. You can never know God's will. You're never gonna know blessings. You've screwed up too much. You've messed up too much. You're never gonna have God's power. You're never gonna have God's peace in your life. You are a wreck. You are a mess. And the giant of shame just keeps shouting that out today. He's shouting it in our communities and he's shouting it in our churches. And people come into church defeated and they leave church more defeated because they're not hearing the truth about the blood of Jesus to set them free. Amen? Here's what this does. This giant, because of what he shouts, 
He keeps people withdrawn. He keeps people isolated. He keeps people insecure. He keeps people bound in their habits. Look here. If you always believe the lie, I'm terrible, I'm worthless, I'm no good, and you believe that is what God is saying to you, and you try to wear that in your faith, here's what will happen to you. You'll, you'll say that message to you. You'll believe God's saying that to you, and you'll leave out of here, and you won't make it two days from this place before you're looking for something to medicate yourself. Because who can live with that kind of mess on them? You can't live with that kind of condemnation and rejection and guilt and shame. And you'll find something to medicate that pain. And then guess what? You'll feel more guilt and more shame. And you'll have to find something to medicate that and then you'll find more guilt and more shame. And you'll find something to medicate that. And that's how people get stuck in cycles of addiction. It's not because of the alcohol. It's not because of the pornography. It's not because of the gambling. It's because of this voice of shame that's shouting inside their head that they can never be free. Come on now. Don't get so caught up that the thing is the problem. The thing complicates it. But you can get rid of the alcohol and it'll pop back up some other place if you don't deal with the shame that's going on inside. This is what sets people free is when they know that the blood of Jesus has covered my sin and my shame. This is what sets a person free when they're able to say, I know I am a redeemed child of God. I am walking in the Holy Spirit because I'm filled with the Holy Spirit. I'm seated with him in heavenly places. I am blessed with every spiritual blessing. I've been given the gift of righteousness. In fact, the Father calls me blameless. Not because of my record, but because of Jesus' death and resurrection for me. That is what you say to the giant of shame to shut him down. This is part of the reason that people are sitting at home today and have discounted church because they've not heard the true message of Jesus Christ and they're stuck in their shame. Amen? It's not the only giant today. The second giant that is wildly at work today is despair. This giant shouts his grovelly voice that says, there is no hope for you. You will never know the peace of God. In fact, you should just walk in your defeat. You should just stay depressed. You should just stay with your problem mindset. You should just stay with your empty worship. You should just stay in your dead faith because none of it is going to come to pass. Those promises are jokes. That church is a lie. Those people are fake. This is what the giant of despair says. The giant of despair says, that person, your son, your daughter, your mother, your father is too far gone. They can't be redeemed. They're too broken. They're too far gone. They'll never be made new by Jesus Christ. That is all a lie. Those are just lies that the enemy shouts. And this enemy is having his way today with people. Especially as the world just continues to spin out of control. Even within Christians, this this giant starts having his way because you start thinking, well, this thing's over. Pack it up. Call it done. 
There's no hope. No hope for our nation, no hope for our state, no hope for our region, no hope for my family, no help for my marriage, no help for my mind, no help for my health. None of it. That is all the enemy, the giant of despair, shouting his lies to our world today and to us. And when he has his way, people get stuck in their torment. People are fearful of taking any risk. People are easily overwhelmed. And people are turning to even more substances to deal with the grief. The truth is, God is, is working all things together for my good as a child of God. He has promised good. He will complete what he has begun. All things are under his sovereign control. I have not been given a spirit of fear or of torment or despair, but of power and of love and a sound mind. And if he has conquered all things by his power, and if I can come boldly to the throne of grace, then I can walk boldly in this life, knowing he is for me, he is with me, and he is redeeming my life. He is making all things new. He is restoring those things that have been lost. I have no reason to despair because I have all hope in Jesus Christ. Amen? This is what you and I need to face the giants in our day. The third one is the giant of mockery. This giant is insistent on mocking everything that God has said. This giant shouts out that faith is a joke. God is not real. Church is outdated. The Bible can't be trusted. You evolved from slime. Demons aren't real. Your urges are more real than God, and you'll lose everything if you try to believe anything that God says. This is the mocking giant of our day. And this giant keeps people silent, keeps people withdrawn, keeps people seeing themselves as grasshoppers up against the giants, keeps people insecure, keeps people uncertain, keeps people unbelieving, and keeps people turning to other voices, believing Google over God. It's time we stood in some truth. The truth that says to the mocking voices, God has proven himself time and again in scripture. His word is true, has verified his promises, will be kept. And that God, if, if anybody's laughing, it's God in heaven laughing at those that choose to refuse to believe him. There's coming a day of judgment and we have on our side the greatest evidence that God always keeps his promises the death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And if we can trust in the resurrection, then we can walk in this resurrection power today and not listen to the voice of mockery in our day that would tell us we are the fools. Amen? Yeah. Now, I know what you're probably thinking. You're probably thinking, those aren't really the giants I thought you were going to list. I thought you were going to write things like alcohol. I thought you were going to list things like divorce. I thought you were going to list things like drugs. I thought you were going to list things like finances. I thought you were going to list things like LGBTQIA2S+. 
You think I'm just writing generic letters? I'm not. That is the newest set of letters. And know that the plus is out there. One day I'll explain all those here. People think that this and others like it, that these are the giants. That these are the giants. You know, porn and socialism. You know, those are all of the, the problems today. Those are the giants. Look, when these giants are doing their thing, these come along as just pests along the way. It doesn't take a giant to do all this when the giants have done this. When a man believes he is filled with shame and despair and mockery, of course he's going to turn to something else. These become easy after that. When a man is sunk in this or a woman is sunk in this, it takes nothing to get them caught up in all of this. And our goal here is not just to free people from this stuff right here. Oh, we want to do that. But if you don't free them from these right here in Jesus Christ, they'll find another one of these that you don't even know about yet. They'll add another letter. They'll add another list. They'll add another thing. But until we help them see the freedom that's found in Jesus Christ from these core issues, you'll never find anyone get free. Parents, this ought to cause us to rethink what it is we're teaching in our homes. This ought to cause us to really rethink what it is we're trying to train our young people to know. You can't raise your children today alone in fear of this. You'll lose until you train them in the truth of this in Jesus Christ. Then, then and only then will they be able to put on the armor of God and stand against all of this and more. This is our calling today. This is what we must be about. There are giants in the land. There are giants who stand in opposition to whatever it is God has called you to as a promise, and his word is filled with promises. And I would say today as a word of encouragement and concern, if you're not slaying giants, you're not chasing promises. Every one of us ought to be holding on to a, a mountain out there that God has yet for us. A mountain that we've yet to stand on. A mountain that you're believing for yourself or your loved one or your spouse or your children or your church or your neighborhood or your city or your state or a nation. And if you're not standing on some promise of a mountain, you'll never face any opposition. If you've moved backwards into the, eh, you know, things are not terrible, it's okay. I mean, I've got a few problems, but you know, I don't know that I've got any giants right now. Look, you need to be taking on some giants because you need to be standing in a promised land somewhere. You need to be moving forward. You say, well, I've kind of taken care of my giants in my life. Good. There's plenty of other folks here that need some help with their giants. That's great. Let's get to battle here. There are people in our community that are dying at the hands of these giants right here. Oh, they're taken over by these, but this is what's got them. These three of what's got them. And we, the church, are called to be the ones who take the good news to them. Now, what's fascinating about our story 
that we've been following. If you fast forward to when Joshua and Caleb actually go into the land, here's kind of a teaser look at what's coming. Joshua in time and Caleb go into the land. Spoiler alert, they do take on some giants. Here's what it says in Joshua 11. Just follow along with me on screen here. It says that Joshua came and cut off the Anakim from the mountains. The Anakim are the descendants and the people of Anak. You see, Anak, Anakim, all right? None of the Anakim were left in the land of the children of Israel. All right, that is awesome. They remained only in Gaza and Gath and Ashdod. What? You left some giants? You slayed some giants, but you left some giants? You went into the land, but you left some giants alive? You let them keep living? You kept giving them space? You let them do their thing? You got tired? You got distracted? You decided it doesn't matter? It's not that big a deal? They're not my giants or somebody else's? They let someone else take care of the problem? It's not on me? And you let some live in Gaza and Gath and Ashdod? Really? What you let live will come back to haunt you. If we were to read the story of David in 1 Samuel 17, where we find another giant, it says this, and a champion went out from the camp of the Philistines named Goliath from Gath, one of the cities where they did not destroy the giant. Sobering words for us. If we are going to change us, our family, our children, our grandchildren, future generations, and see the church continue to build the kingdom of God here on this earth, we've got to slay some giants. We've got to be about the work. We've got to stand on some promises. And you say, man, that's awesome, but do you not even see by your own drawing here how tall this guy is versus how tall this guy is? And you say, this is me. And I feel like a grasshopper up against all of that. Let me remind you of another truth. Jesus said, a promise. He said, greater is he who is in you than he who is in the world. Oh, you feel like this? This is you in Jesus Christ, filled with promises, filled with hope, and you now tower over those giants. You have the power in him to defeat the giants. Let me just read you some promises. Isaiah 54, 17, no weapon formed against you shall prosper, and every tongue which rises against you in judgment you shall condemn. Second Corinthians 10, 4 through 5, the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God for pulling down strongholds, casting down arguments, and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. 
Romans 8, 37, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. Deuteronomy 28, 7, the Lord will cause your enemies who rise against you to be defeated before your face. They shall come out against you one way and flee before you seven ways. Jesus himself said in Luke 10, 19, I give you the authority to trample on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy and nothing shall by any means hurt you. It is time for the church of Jesus Christ to defeat some giants. It's time for us to stop hiding. It's time for us to stop being insecure, uncertain, and fearful. It's time for us to stop withdrawing. It's time for us to recognize who we are in him and face the giants. It's time for us to not stop until every prisoner has been brought home and brought back to the redemptive power in Jesus Christ. And it's time for us to not stop until every giant has been slain. Are you with me in that battle today? Hello? This is a reality for us. This is not, this is not a spiritual TED talk. I couldn't be more real about the reality that we live in than I am right now. This is what God's word has promised and it's time for us to stand in the truth of that. Now here's what we're gonna do today. I'm gonna pray in just a moment. The band's gonna come back up and we're gonna sing. We're gonna sing a song about this is how I fight my battles. Now here's what I know. All of us in this room are dealing with something. Are you ready to be at a place to do some battle? You get to that place by seeking the Lord with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. By coming in prayer to him. And you get to that place when you join with a church because it's only the church gathered that Jesus said the gates of hell will not prevail against. So, here's what's gonna happen. I'm gonna pray. I'm gonna invite you and I finish. If you wanna come pray right here and line this altar, bring someone with you, come by yourself, whatever it is, to do some spiritual warfare, this is your time. You come here while the band sings and in a few moments, Emily is gonna come and she's gonna pray. And we're going to go to spiritual warfare this morning. We're going to call upon the Lord, believe his promises, and we're going to stand against every evil foe. Amen? We're going to bring down some giants. Would you stand with me as, we, as I pray this morning? Father, we do stand in your promises today. I thank you that you've called us to battle. I thank you that you've called us to victory. We don't come uncertain of victory we come confident that you will win the victory. We come to cry out. We come to join alongside a brother or sister who needs us or that we need. And we come to do battle, to stand against the forces of enemy, to, to stand true to your word, to stand in the power of the spirit and believe every promise. So God, we ask you to move among us today that we might see your power move in this place, that captives might be set free, that your truth might be believed, that your power might be demonstrated right here. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.